Coming up on this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're covering community feedback, an interview with Dalton and Marius of UbiPorts, software picks and tips and tricks, as well as so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. Welcome to episode 175 of Destination Linux. This is a podcast about sharing our passion for Linux and open source. Destination Linux is a show for all experience levels, so whether you're a beginner to Linux or a master sudoer, welcome to the show. Hi, my name is Michael, but unfortunately Ryan wasn't able to join us this week, but that's okay because we are being joined this week by the two-time American Idol winners, Noah, Marius, and Dalton. Just to be clear, Ryan is not here today. He did write the way to introduce it because that's why it's weird. Also, it's typically always weird because that's just, for some reason, that's the thing we started Michael, doing. You don't have to feel like you have to explain Ryan's decision to, to write this goofy I'm just thing. Letting, I'm just letting, oh, I'm just did. letting them know it's not me that wrote it. That's well, all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we just eject that and then say, all right. Yeah, exactly. So next time I will write it and it will be ridiculous again, but in a different way. You know. Anyway, let's find out what everybody's, everybody's been up to this week. So Noah, how have you been this week? I've been great. Honestly, I've had a really relaxing past few days, been out at the lake and camping with the kids and stuff. So haven't done a lot of like really technical projects this weekend. However, it isn't always an opportunity to introduce technology to my kids when I'm spending time with them. And my son, uh, the kid across the, the camper park had his Nintendo switch that wouldn't work because he forgot the power supply. And, and my son went back in. He's like, oh, I think I have one that will work. And he goes in and he gets the power supply for his laptop, which is also type C and takes it over and charges it up. He's like, dad, you're going to love this. Like I found another place where type C is. It's over here. You're right. It is the best adapter in the world. I'm like, yay, parenting, you know, <laughs> yay, parenting. I mean, you are teaching him right. The type C is the best one. Right. I mean, yeah. I've ta taught him that like our bodies are ready for USB-C. <laughs> Absolutely. So Marius, what's, what's new in your world? A lot of Pine phones and Pine tabs and Volaphones and generally a lot of coding and optimizations and bug fixes. Uh, but in general, all of my time has been consumed by the Pine phone at this time. So I, I'm really excited to talk about the Pine phone. We're going to get to that later in the show because we have a lot of things to talk about for UB ports and the Pine phone and just Pine in general. So let's we'll save that for the later in the show. So Dalton, how has your week been? Well, I could answer PinePhone, but you just, you, you completely ruined that. No, no, no. You can totally say that. We're just going to wait until get to the next part. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's fine. You're making me wait. Yeah. It's all right. But I've been working on a lot of optimizations for Ubuntu Touch, as well as on the PinePhone, completely different from what uh, Marius has been doing. Oh, okay. So that is, yes, very different. Uh, just so everyone My is fully aware, both Marius and Dalton are not only American Idol winners, they're also from UB Ports. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, how was your week? Uh, my week's been quite fun. Uh, as far as like doing a lot of different new graphics, I actually have even more that's coming in the next episode. I have I'm, I'm I have a special surprise that's coming next episode in terms of graphics, but also we have some new things to announce related to the DLN store. Where if you get, get anything, it's like a life changing experience when you get something from the DLN store. We've we've said this multiple times, and it's been proven by at least four people in our community. And uh, this next thing we have is that we've actually done a lot of new graphics for the show. I created a new logo and branding for the Destination Linux podcast, and we have turned that into a shirt, a hoodie, and mug, as well as some other things that are coming down the line later on. So if you want to check that out, we have the new logo design. I'll have like a little visual pop up on the screen right now. 
in the editing. Hopefully I remember to do that. If I didn't, oops. Uh, but also next week we're going to be doing another announcement for another merchandise, but I'm not going to show you exactly what this is. It's more of like a teaser, but that's coming and it's going to be stool shirt related or stool uh, re- related things, you know, depending on what it might actually be. But this episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized, make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean also recently announced new features and services, such as the virtual private cloud service in all regions free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. And they also have a new container registry. Is This is now available to all users as an early availability release. And this allows you to easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to Kubernetes on DigitalOcean. Uh, new quick install droplets are also available. They're in the new DigitalOcean Marketplace uh, droplets, such as Jitsi, which is a web conferencing Zoom alternative, and you can even load up a Minecraft server. You can get all this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. You can get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash dln. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN, and you can use that $100 credit for spinning up a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Anything you want to do on DigitalOcean, you can do it with that credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And thanks again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Destination Linux. And our community feedback this week, Maxu writes in, or MXU, perhaps it's probably a screen name, writes in to say, Dear Destination Linux guys, you guys continue to impress. All your episodes are great, but your latest episode with the ladies from Women in Linux is extra fantastic. My gender might be different, and I might be, have a different background than the ladies, but that doesn't matter because we all share similar desires for geeking out on tech. And of course, our shared love of Libra open source stuff that like Linux. While I love to learn about new stuff about Linux and other hardcore floss topics, it's inspiring to hear everyone's Linux origin stories, especially when these stories and paths might be different than our own. Cheers to the Women's in Linux organization, and kudos to you guys for having them on as guests. Keep up the great work. P.S. If you do, in fact, pursue designing swag with the silhouette of a person who may or may not be Michael sitting on or leaning against a stool... You have an interested buyer right here. Best regards, MXU. So um, that's great. We're glad to hear that you're an interested buyer of the stool. But more importantly, we're glad that you appreciate the interview and you appreciate the way that it was presented. Because when these people come on and they 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 give up their time and energy to come on and 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 talk to the audience, it lets them know and us know that you appreciate it and you appreciate the time. Um, and then it perpetuates good things as then it inspires them to come back on and do it again. So yeah. thanks again for uh, for writing into the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, and also I'm really happy to, to see all the comments we got for that episode. We got so many different positive comments on YouTube and Telegram and Twitter and even email and all kinds of things. So I'm really happy that people have liked that episode and uh, I look forward to having them back on in the, sh- in the future for another episode. We love hearing from our worldwide community. We have many ways for your voice to be heard. You can send a short email or video that may get incorporated into the show. To send those video links or the email, they go to comments at destinationlinux.org. Up next in the show is the interview section. We're really excited to invite both Marius and Dalton from UbiPorts to the show to discuss a topic that's been gaining even more steam lately, and that is Ubuntu Touch. 
Marius is the lead developer for UBPorts project, and Dalton is the development manager development manager of UBPorts. So welcome both to the show. Hello. Hey. There's 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 been a lot of exciting news around UBPorts lately with the release of OTA 12, Pine64 announcing the UBPorts edition of the Pine Phone. They also announced the UBPorts will be also be a part of the Pine Tab tablet that they're working on. So there's a ton of stuff to talk about, but before we do that. There may be a few people who are new to the show or new to UbiPorts that aren't familiar, so let's get everyone caught up. Tell us about the UbiPorts project from like a 10,000-foot overview. No problem. So UbiPorts is a nonprofit foundation which fosters a community, which also calls itself UbiPorts, to create multiple projects, including the Ubuntu Touch operating system and the Lomiri operating environment for Linux desktop computers or phones. Okay, cool. Is that a good elevator pitch? Perfect. Um, let's start with this. How did you get, or let's continue with this. How did you guys get started with UbiPorts and why is this project important to you personally? Um, I guess let's start with Marius. So I'm the one that started it in initially. Um, it was started as a community to, to port Ubuntu Touch when it was owned by or still developed by Canonical. Back then, we did only porting. At, at the start, it was mostly just me, and, and and then we started a forum to have a place to share ideas. And then it grew into the monster that it is today, uh, where Canonical dropped it. We took, we said it, we will take it over. Um, we took it over, and and today we are actually shipping two ODM devices in the near future: uh, the Volaphone and the PinePhone and the PineTab. So three devices in the near future, and That's and awesome. then a, also. Uh, brought along the likes of Dalton and John and all these awesome people with me. So, so it's about the community for you as well, then. Yes, it's definitely about. It's all about the community, to be honest. Um, that's awesome. I think that's that's where why it was created in the first place to to build something for the community where the community can share ideas to to port together uh, instead of each doing their own porting and trying to. Find stumble on the same bugs as we do, mm-hmm. um, but today we are grown so much bigger, and it's quite amazing to see how how it has unfolded. That's nice. great. And my my experience, for what it's worth, my experience is when you focus on the community like that, and when that becomes such a central pivotal point to the project, those are the projects that have a really long standing track history um, and do really great work over time. Uh, Dalton, how about you? How did you get started with UbiPorts, and why? So Marius started the whole thing. Back in like 2012-ish, I believe, Marius? Yep. Yeah, I didn't come along until 2016. So I missed all of the really early stuff. In fact, I joined the project right before its scope went from we're going to put Ubuntu Touch on the OnePlus One and a few other things to we make Ubuntu Touch now. Uh, (laughs) Perfect timing. Yeah, it was about six months. So I just got to know everyone. And then, uh (laughs) uh-oh. I remember me announcing that on Google Plus back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, when Google Plus was a thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye, Google Plus. Yeah. No one liked y- you. You won't be missed. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it. No. From there, um, I got started because I had a Nexus 5X and I wanted to run Ubuntu Touch on it. And that was about as far forward as I thought. At the time, I was starting to de Google my life and I was finding back in 2016 already, there were a lot of things that Google integrated into Android that you just couldn't remove, no matter what. Even mm-hmm. if you use Lineage OS, you're still contacting Google servers for this and this, whatever. So I wanted something that was completely different and unique 
And I found Ubuntu Touch, which was only available on pre-sold devices in Europe. Or you can join this community called UbiPorts. What kind of name is that? Um, <laughs> and they'll help you out with porting to new devices. It's it's it stands um, for UB porting. No. Yep. No. Well, it does. It, it does in my head. <laughs> Four years later, and the Nexus 5X still does not run Ubuntu Touch. But apparently, <laughs> I'm the development manager now. Right. Um, right which means that i i'm the one mostly listening to the community and getting what they need and listening to our developers and seeing how we can prioritize things to uh, make the best operating system we can given the time and resources that we have for me well just to say that i do listen to the community too so and it's really been this task of bringing a lot of people together originally a couple hundred people, which has now grown to a community of thousands, which is scary. Yeah. It, it's scary in a good way. And and one of the things that have, have seen a massive growth, especially is um, the amount of requests that our servers get bombarded with each day. Um, I think we have like close to 20 million requests a month. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Has has grown this year alone, probably like 50%, like double. Nice. I mean, that, people are interested. Yeah, a few people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a few yeah. people. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know, UbiPorts has support for a lot of devices and actually quite a few uh, flagship devices too. But what are the devices that you recommend is to go to the options for like people wanting to get started with UbiPorts and Ubuntu Touch? What would they like the go-to options be? So the go-to options in right now, if you need a device right now and you can't wait for, for the Pine phone or the Volta phone, I would probably say uh, one of the ARM64 devices that we are currently bringing up, like that one by Alfred, um, which is the... Xperia X. Xperia X. Mm. And the OnePlus 3, which I have here somewhere. One of those devices will definitely give you a, a more smoother and also a longer, longer support time uh, than one of the older devices. But if you want to go with a more cheaper option, um, and also something that, that might be right now more solid and stable, something like the Nexus 5, the Fairphone, or uh, the OnePlus One are also great options. Um, are the, is the Xperia and the OnePlus 3, are those flagship devices as well? Those are considered flagship devices, yes, now. Okay. Um, nice. Those are the flagship devices for ARM64. They have been the pioneer devices for, for that uh, project, and they have also been part of the the move to to newer lab hybrids and stuff like that um and also test devices for for newer version of 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 android on those devices uh which also has been really really helpful they also been one of the the pioneer devices on the edge channel too uh which is our tip of the development branch nice I, I, I do have a OnePlus One and I have a Ubuntu Touch on it and it is a very good experience for me. Like I have to have multiple phones because of different services that are that are required for me to do my job and everything. But uh, I use uh, basically both of them as a primary and for about three months I used Ubuntu Touch exclusively just to see how far I could go as far as a daily driver and it works quite well. You know, if you, if you just want to use it as a basic phone or anything like that, you don't need specific things on it. It works great. And even if you do need specific things, I, th- I found that some of those 
uh, Android apps do work in UB ports or Ubuntu Touch uh, pretty well as long as they don't have to get outside of the security functionality that's in Ubuntu Touch, which, by the way, is also a really cool feature. And I, I think that's one of the best things about UB, UB ports is that you have that security structure where you don't have to worry about if you install something, can it get access to other things on your system? Like that is really cool. The, the power of, of App Bomber and how it's implemented is, is really, really cool in Ubuntu Touch. And I, I praise Canonical for the decision they made back then. So yeah, that, that is a really, really well thought out system, I, I would say. Pine64, we're big fans of them around here, and they've been making some waves for the past year with a lot of exciting announcements. And a lot of these announcements include working with UbiPort. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about the devices that you're working on in partnership with them? So Pine64, Lucas, joined our chat room. It is now 19 months ago. And there were, at the time, around 1,500 people in the room. And he said, hey, everyone, we want to make a Linux phone. You want to help? <laughs> nice. That's a, uh, that's a fantastic was, way to introduce it. It's like it's just a casual. Hey, we we'll make we want to make a Linux phone. <laughs> you want to make a phone too? Uh, to which the response was, uh, "Yeah, probably. That sounds like a good idea." Uh, <laughs> and over that time, we've gone through three different revisions of well, now four different dev kit revisions and a new device, even as well as a lot of other plans for things that can come down the pipe. So now we've got the Pine Phone and Pine Tab. And both of these devices are based on the all-winner A64 platform, which is what their original Pine 64 single-board computer was based off of. And Pinebook. And the Pinebook. So all of these can run the same operating system images for Ubuntu Touch with minor changes. Auto-detecting them isn't quite working yet, but maybe in the future. The most important thing between all these running that same platform is... This little thing we like to call convergence. Convergence. You may have heard of it before. <laughs> convergence. <laughs> convergence. Convergence at its base level is the same code running everywhere. And for um, Ubuntu Touch, it means a similar experience across different devices. So you can see, even down to the lock screen, you can see these are running the same software. And that goes all the way throughout the operating system as you're using it. So you can tell okay, this is the same pattern that I would use with this other device or mm -hmm. with my mouse and keyboard on the same device even sometimes. And this, this also goes further to, to the way that, that the apps share content between each other, the, how the apps are confined uh, by default and how it, it fundamentally changes a little bit how you use phones in general. It follows the, the more logical side of, of how Android and iOS have implemented stuff. Instead of you dropping you directly to a fine terminal, uh, which you can do, you can use the file browser, um, but it, it, it makes it easier to share. Like when you take a screenshot, for example, or something like that, um, you can then directly take the screenshot and go into Telegram and Telegram will automatically uh, handle that. Or for example, go, go to Telegram, uh, select the camera button, and then it will go to the camera app, take a picture and go back to Telegram and then send the, the, the content. And combining this software with Pine64's hardware has really been just a pretty delightful experience um, it, uh, yeah. because they come from the same community background that we do. Um, Pine64 at its base is a community which happens to have the prowess to make hardware. 
That's kind of what we're trying to make with Pine64. Of course, there is the company, the for-profit company that purposely is purposely bad at making profit in many ways. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's actually interesting because like last time you were here, Dalton, you talked about how that you, you know, you also like the Pine64 and the partnership between Pine64 and uh, UB Ports is very like synergetic and there's a lot of collaboration in between in the sense that you said that you were uh, also kind of like a part of the same, like Pine 64 UB ports is a part of it as well because the community is so vital to the structure of Pine 64. So you kind of said that, you know, we, when you were referring to Pine 64, like how much like does that experience with Pine 64, like how does that vend- different from like other vendors and like what's it like working with Pine 64 in that sense? So we have other vendors that we're working with that also want to mirror this kind of community engagement model, um, nice. which is, it's nice to see that more companies are looking to do that kind of thing with our community. Um, because that means that all of us win basically. Oh yeah. I mean, collaboration um, allows you to do a lot more with a lot less effort and everything. Absolutely. The over the year update 12 is an, an exciting release and there's a lot of features. Tell us some of the highlights that you're particularly proud of. Oh, OTA 12 is a huge release that we've been working on in the foreground for six months. Some of the biggest highlights you'll see are this new and improved app drawer instead of a home screen, more like uh, Android or iOS, which makes more sense when you're thinking about using this on all of your devices. Yeah, They're I like the new la- the new launcher style. It's really cool. I, I like it a lot more than the previous version. It feels more like a, like a desktop on a phone. Like, I, I think this is a, a lot better experience. And I also, it kind of made me... Uh, you know, cons- like the older version, like OTA 11, the ones before had that launcher on the side. And I was like, what is this for? What does this do? And now it's the fundamental piece of how it works. So it's like, this is fantastic improvements. Now this makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also access the launcher from the lock screen if you'd like to start an app before you actually unlock the device. So oh, that's cool. You can do that. Other things that came are, of course, performance improvements and bug fixes, as you'd always A like lot to of say. those. Yeah. Um, but we upgraded to Canonical's newer version of Mir. This is another behind behind the scenes change, but it means a lot for Ubuntu Touch in the long term. We have Mir is now changing to be a Wayland compositor. So we're able to support on newer devices like the Pine Tab and Pine Phone, Wayland client applications. So that means you can run more applications, more like what you expect from your desktop operating system, mm-hmm. which was possible before with Libertine and Xmir. Mm-hmm. But Xmir wasn't a perfect X server, where X Wayland is a little bit better, and Mir support for that is getting better all the time. Nice. Um, I have tried Libertine course, on it, and it is—it's really interesting to run applications on your phone that have no business being on a phone. But <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make much sense to run a game, for example. Yeah, it's, it's cool. really cool that you can. Really cool, but you know, like I had well, a Libre Office running, and I was like, uh, this is cool for about five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the cool thing is, you, for example, if you have a Nexus 5, you can connect it to a display, and you could actually use it that way. Um, and I think that's that's the intended use in the first place when oh, Canonical yes, first made it, because they, they pre-installed this on a tablet, which had HDMI out back then. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the convergence thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's not... Con- that's display out. Well, it's, convergence. Clo- it's close enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't help my joke when you try to t- explain it. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, no I, I, I like butchering jokes. That's what okay, I do. Okay, cool. 
Uh, it should be noted that the Pine64 hardware, the Pine tab, has many HDMI for the same purpose. And mm-hmm. the Pine phone has a display out chip over USB type C. So once we get that working, you can do that same thing. You can plug your phone into an external display and use all those apps that don't make sense on the little screen on the big screen. But but do note that, that the hardware on the Pine phones and the Pine tab um, will not be that capable of handling big applications like Firefox and and, and uh, LibreOffice with a smooth experience. It will work, but I'm not sure how productive you'll be. What when 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 that happens? Is there an is the will there be an ability to use a different UI? So for example, like the UI that I would want. Let's say I want Kate, right? I would imagine that would be a smaller application. Is that something I could run maybe in the desktop form on the Pine phone plugged into an external display and maybe an external keyboard and mouse? Absolutely. Yeah. No problem. Wow. Can you, So how many applications will support things like that? Well, for the desktop mode itself, it's very... Uh, that opens it up a lot more. Of course, we need to get X Wayland working better underneath Mir uh, mm-hmm. to really make that pop. But... But it works. The goal yeah. is to have any uh, application you can run installable Everything. under Libertine and usable. Currently, you can run any Wayland applications that you can compile, compile or install from the archive uh, for ARM64, and they, they work just fine. I have run Kate on my phone multiple times. Talk about uh, Ubi ports from a security standpoint. What should people know if using it from a privacy standpoint, security standpoint? Um, can you talk about any of the security concerns that maybe you guys have faced or overcome if you're reusing some of the code from Android to maybe talk to the hardware? So the Android container itself is partially confined. Of course, you're right. That could be a hole that people could use to exploit the rest of the system. And indeed, if that does happen, We'd like to know about it. The applications themselves, though, are, as we mentioned earlier, confined and aren't able to access each other, or in many cases, those Android drivers directly. Hmm. So now we are talking about the Android devices which uh, go under the branch of Halium. Uh, this yeah. won't apply for, for the Pine phone or the Pine tab because they are running natively Linux without any Android drivers. They're running open source drivers. And Okay, so. so so how many phones do you think, is, is the Pine phone the only phone that does that, that is able to talk directly to um, the hardware using the exact same kernel? Because my understanding is even Yala is doing the same thing, right? They're using drivers that were written for Android to be able to talk to the radios. Uh, currently, yes, that's the only phone that can do that and have everything supported. There is some mainland um, attempts on, for example, the Nexus 5, but not everything is working, like camera and uh, audio, for example, is not working, which are critical parts for, for a phone. And that's what makes it so hard, because every part of these Android drivers are locked down. There's no way of getting to it. How about uh, how about keeping data secure on the phone? Is there an ability to encrypt the, the phone storage, make individual encrypted containers? Currently, no. How about, uh, it, has anybody maybe written a third-party app um, that you could encrypt text information or something? Or, you know, maybe they have, you know, maybe pictures or text? So there is a experimental way to run eCryptFS, which was Ubuntu's, of course, old home folder encryption scheme under Ubuntu Touch. However, it isn't the best experience. There are password managers that can kind of do it. Um, but indeed, that is a weak point for Ubuntu Touch, and certainly something that we want to add in the future is encryption of all user data. 
including data that the system sets for settings and things. Yeah, and you know, just a um, just a suggestion too. If when you guys get to that, um, also the ability to encrypt external storage, right? If I have an SD card, mm-hmm. I know that would be a great thing. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, wouldn't it just be a function of moving um, Lux over and then having it decrypt a, a Lux volume? So yes, and indeed, our the user data of Ubuntu Touch is completely separate from the read-only file system. Uh-huh. So all of your apps and everything can be completely wiped away and your device will boot just like it was new. So we could encrypt that entire writable area. And indeed, that's what we'd like to do. Um, do you have a, a timeline like or a roadmap or anything for that or just something that is like at some point? I do not currently. One of the, the problems with encryption too is that many of our Android devices use the, the vendor provided kernel, which often are older kernel, older LTS kernels, some are not even LTS. Um, but the problem with that is that they don't properly support uh, encryption by default on those kernels. So that would require some kernel work on there. But newer devices like PinePhone and Volophones and, and whatnot probably will support this out of the box in the kernel. Um, so it wouldn't need to do the user land implementation. It's just there have, for us have- to hook up. Have yeah. you guys uh, have you guys looked at all at the Sony open device line for maybe trying to talk directly to it or that also still requires Android to be able to talk to to the device? It still requires these um, binary blobs which are compiled for Bionic libc, which is Android's only implementation of 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 C gotcha. which is which is the problem. Um, it, that's that's where everything comes from. Uh, if they were compiled to GNU libc, all our problems would be solved. We still use binary blobs, but we could use them natively without going through libhybris and having a container of super minimalist Android as we do now. Okay. Is there is there any is there anything that this applies to? Like for for example, Android Google announced that they're going to try to mainline the Android kernel a lot more to closer to the Linux kernel. Is is there anything that that they're doing that makes that possible to you know with the the glibc and that kind of thing? So, so the, makes the thing sense. with it's the mainline pretending that they want to do something good. Well, they are doing a good thing with mailing kernels. Uh, we are getting newer, newer kernels, and that that's that's awesome. But the vendors that makes Adreno and all these ships uh, are still making binary blobs and still requiring those. They are not mainlining those part of it. They are making the the, the devices run on a mainline kernel. Um, but all the camera and chip and GPU and whatnot are still binary blobs provided by the chip manufacturer and then the vendor uh, thereafter. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but but all of what we said now does not apply for the Pine Phone because um, everything is native there, including graphical drivers which are open source and stuff like that. Right. Like that. One of the reasons I'm excited for the Pine Phone is the fact that it is a genuine Linux phone and not a Franken monster like all the Android stuff. So. I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't have one yet, but I'm, I can't wait to play with it. And like pretty much uh, like the ne- as soon as I get it for like a week, I'll be doing nothing else. And then like I'll, I might like start <laughs> do one podcast here and there, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> what are some upcoming projects that you're working on in the future with UB ports? So one of our, our major points is really improving the overall user experience. Um, this includes stuff like GPS, which has been one of our weaker points on the system because how GPS is implemented um, is one of the problems. So one of the improvements we want to do there is move to, 
to a new code base of our GPS engine, uh, which was a complete refactor called Location D. We also want to implement um, HGPS support, proper HGPS support, which means that the GPS for faster lock-on times, so that you can just be on Wi-Fi and it'll figure out where you are based on that. Not only, but it's also your cell tower position, um, and then it provides neighboring cell towers so it can triangulate your position based on the answer time to the different different cell towers which is an awesome technology by the way and and we also want to to improve the overall stability of the system user experience um newer qt versions uh, or qt versions improve start of times um graphical improvements um improve dish optimization of shaders uh, which is one big point that we are currently working on and also, Anbox is one of the things that we also want to to improve, nice. uh, get into a more proper support, more hardware supported, um, permission based, so we can allow, for example, camera to get passed through to an Anbox application. These are one of the the highlights. But we also want to improve the desktop experience, um, like the Lumiri. Lumiri, yeah, yep. which is something we we do on parallel, uh, bringing it into Debian, for example, to to improve this. And generally making the desktop experience uh, useful. Because right now, it's not really usable on a desktop. You can use it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Lomiri is a, is a really cool uh, you know, a project that you're working on for like the continuation of Unity 8. And uh, I'm glad you did decide to rename it from Unity because that's a very confusing name even before, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, before there was different versions of Unity, like the fact that they even named it Unity when there's also the game engine and there's so many. So I, I was really happy to see when you you know you know name, renamed that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to you know the, all that stuff. All of that sounded really good, especially the GPS. You know, there's you know a lot of people who can't you know find their way out of a parking lot, and I'm one of those people. But there's there's a. Uh, the other thing about the Android support for Anbox, like I was really excited when I played with it on the UB ports on Ubuntu Touch. And there's, I'm curious, like how soon do you think that would be available in terms of like uh, more support for getting out of sight, like having some connections where the most of the clipboard, like I installed a couple apps that were Android based. And the only problem I had is that the clipboard for the system was locked to that particular app. And if that was there, I think that there would be a lot of the stuff that I use on Android could be ignored and I could just use Ubuntu Touch with the Anbox version. So, like, do you know how long it will take to get the that sort of thing set up? So the thing with with answering time-based questions like this is that... Tomorrow? Cool. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that we frankly don't know um, because what the, the thing with Anbox is that is highly complex and when you start digging into it you will find a million more problems um, and then you will spend the rest of the day debugging that small problem which usually is just a compiler and 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 the thing with with Anbox that we also want to improve is the graphical pipeline because right now it's awfully slow especially on phones causing a lot of slowdowns and frame drops and more frame drops so this is the, the thing that we want to improve first before we start digging into to more of the, the integration um, into both hardware and, and, and clipboards and stuff yeah, that makes like sense. that. I'm just excited. So I'm just kind of like and jumping the gun. Way. I get it. So I, I understand waiting. Uh, tomorrow is not reasonable. I get it. Next week is fine. No big deal. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the thing is with Anbox, it's really hard to set any time numbers. And when I send numbers on stuff, they will be highly inaccurate. Um, <laughs> sure. So, I, so I, know, I know the feeling of that. <laughs> Especially the thing with working on these type of things is that, yeah, as I said, you can hit a, hit a wall. It's a bit of a and Pandora's you, box, right? You yeah. open it up to fix one bug and you can't close it again because you found all these other bugs that are interesting and you want to fix too. Yeah. Um, it is a... It's a big system, but we do have, I can say, partners that are interested in improving Anbox on Ubuntu Touch. So that is one of the things that is a priority for us automatically because one of our partners has an interest in it. Very nice. Right. So so later on that, we'll probably come up with a more refined timeline. Um, But I I would say maybe shorter than what you think uh, is what what I can say. Nice. So... Four days instead of <laughs> okay, okay, maybe longer than what you personally. Oh, think. okay, but okay, <laughs> cool. I get it now. <laughs> okay. So, uh, thank you both for coming onto the show. It was really awesome to have you on, and I appreciate you letting us know about all the stuff that you're doing with the UB ports and a bunch of touch and the Pine Phone and all that stuff. I mean, I'm super excited. I mean, I have. Every day I use uh, both Android and Ubuntu, Ubuntu Touch, and every day it gets better and better. And every time there's a new over-the-air update, it's like like Christmas, you know. So it's I, I, I I'm looking forward to using this latest one. I actually haven't been able to uh, do the update yet because of time management. As as you know, Marius, there's some issues of trying to like schedule things. I'm not very good at that sort of thing. But I appreciate you very much taking the time out of your day to come and be on the show. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for having us. Up next to the show is the software spotlight. So Ocular is the spotlight for this week. It is a universal super document viewer uh, developed by KDE. And Ocular works on multiple platforms, including Linux, Windows, Mac OS, BSD, etc., all kinds of stuff. Ocular supports many different kinds of documents too. PDFs, EPUBs, PostScripts, DJView, CHM, XPS, and many more. It even has a special support for like PDF forms. So if you get a PDF you need to fill out the document, you can do it directly in Ocular. There's a lot of great stuff in Ocular. I'm a big fan of it. Obviously, I'm a Plasma fan and a KDE fan, so you, of course I'm going to talk about Ocular at some point. It is a fantastic PDF and document viewer. Arguably one of the best ones on Linux, if not the best one. Uh, it's up to you to decide. But I just wanted to spotlight it for this week. So check out Ocular from KDE. Up next is our chip and trick for the week. You might have heard of YouTube DL. If you haven't, I'll tell you about it real quick. You can learn more at YouTube-DL.org. It's a command line program to download your favorite videos from YouTube and actually basically any site that has embedded video. It works with most sites, but there has been some increasing trouble with YouTube. And so whereas before you would paste your URL, YouTube doc, or, uh, YouTube-DL, and then the YouTube link. Instead, there is a new site that is, they have set it up, and essentially what they're doing is they're pulling the videos from YouTube and embedding them in a new browser uh, to increase some privacy and security and some of those things. And so I'm sure this site is going to get shut down eventually. For now, it works, and, and I'm using it. I've also noticed that a lot of people are sharing links on the site as well. It's invidio.us. And so if you use the InVideo link instead of YouTube, in place of the YouTube URL, you can still download YouTubes with YouTube DL without having to encounter problems where they it says that video is unavailable. So to recap, YouTube-DL, the 
invideo.us domain instead of youtube.com and then leave the slash and then the watch question mark V equals and then the string uh, for that YouTube name. You'll just paste all of that in um, and that will allow you to download YouTube videos. Yeah, and also YouTube DL is a fantastic thing. And when you do have issues, if you just update it, typically it'll be able to solve those because they do frequently update like every few days or so. Uh, but this does make it a lot easier having to deal, you know, not having to deal with YouTube doing all that. When if you use the NVIDIA.US site, uh, and I, I, YouTube DL is one of those things where we've never talked about it, we never spotlighted it before, we never, we just one of those things that we use all the time, and it's something that we it's can't, can't even, it's ridiculous that we never talked about it before because it's so awesome. So now uh, we have, so check it out. A big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. If you want a behind-the-scenes pass into the making of this show and an opportunity to chat with us live after the show in the patron post-show, consider becoming a patron. Our patrons help keep the show going, and you get perks like access to the live recordings and unedited versions of the show. The best part is you can get started with just a few dollars on Patreon or sponsors. Destination Linux Network also offers a great way for you to become a part of the community by going to destinationlinux.network and joining our forums. Discuss the shows, the network with listeners from all around the world, all in one place. If you're looking for more live chat sessions, then join us in our interactive Telegram group or our Discord server where you can interact and share your passion for Linux with other members of the community. Head over to destinationlinux.network to learn more. And of course, we, they, love hearing from you. Please get back to us and provide some feedback or ask any burning questions you may have. Send video links or comments to our email address, comments at destinationlinux.org. Please try to keep the comments brief as we may include them in a future episode of the show. Also, don't forget to check out the Destination Linux store and pick some up of the cool swag they got over there. Rabbi Shaka hoodie, t-shirt, coffee mug. Today, many even claim wearing a Destination Linux shirt is a live teaching experience and i can attest to that perfect that's <laughs> that is five people officially uh, at least i have to do that i have to do the math to check and make sure and confirm but if you want more content from us the fun doesn't stop here we also have our own channels to check out you can check out ryan he's not here this week but he's always at youtube.com slash dos geek where you can find content where he fills your brains on hardware software and all things linux you'll find my content at tuxdigital.com where i do an in-depth weekly linux can news podcast this week in linux and other linux related content Noah can be found on the AskNoahShow.com, where he hosts a weekly talk radio show at 6 p.m. Central on Tuesdays. You can join him, and he'll answer all your Linux and tech questions. And also, be sure to go to LinuxStool.com, because apparently, Noah prefers that domain. Make sure to check out our other Destination Linux Network shows, like Hardware Addicts, Linux for Everyone, and the DLN Extend podcast. You can find each one of those by typing the shoe name .stool into your web browser. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't work. <laughs> but, it'll be, but I promise you, when .stool comes out as a top-loadable domain, Michael will register like all of them. Probably. So, uh, yeah. And everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. I'll see you next week. <laughs>